Cox Panoramic Wi-Fi includes advanced security to help protect all your connected devices. You'll get real-time alerts. Oh, like this one. So you don't have to worry about malware. Or when your kid downloads a song from a shady link. And now all your computer can play is... Red color, red color, where are you? <sighs> all blocked, thanks to advanced security. Included with Cox Panoramic Wi-Fi. Advanced security must be enabled in the Panoramic Wi-Fi app. Restrictions apply. Welcome to Chit Chat Money. On this show, hosts Ryan Henderson and Brett Schaefer interview industry experts and riff on the world of investing. As a quick reminder, Chit Chat Money is a CCM Media Group podcast. Ryan and Brett are not financial advisors. Anything discussed on Chit Chat Money by Ryan or Brett or any other podcast guests is not formal advice or a recommendation. Now please enjoy this episode. Okay, welcome in. This is the Fundamental Analysis Show on Chit Chat Money, and I am here with Ryan Henderson as always. Ryan, how are you feeling today? I'm feeling good. Nintendo's uh, going lower, so I know, happy this day, is right? Good. Yeah, buy, buy low. Uh, it's like gas prices, right? The whole <laughs> yeah. Buffett thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Always good, always better. But we're talking about Good Food Market Corp. Uh, they are an under-the-radar company, actually under a billion dollars in market cap. So I'm going to let you get into what they do and then the history of the company. Good Food Market Corp. is a Canadian online grocery, home meal, and meal kit company. So uh, they put their mission as, they said, their mission is to make the impossible come true. Mm. That's like the biggest red flag. It is a red what flag, even, yeah. What does that even mean? It like, reminds why, me. <laughs> why can't you just say our, our mission is to deliver food and get profits? Yeah, well, it also, think about, that That feels like Peloton's mission. That could be, they could put that for Peloton's mission, and I'd be like, okay, that's Peloton, I guess. But could it's be any, it could, any company. Yeah, Costco, our mission is to make the impossible come true. Hot dogs for $1.50. Like, it shouldn't be this hard to describe your own business. Like, just tell us what you actually do. Um, yeah. But anyway, so from the customer <laughs> yeah, side, go on, go on. you subscribe to Good Food and you get delivery of fresh food directly to your home. So it isn't just people, it, you might be thinking of Instacart. It's not like that. It's not just people bringing you food from the grocery stores. Good Food is, they have direct relationships with suppliers, so farms, stuff like that, for the fresh groceries. And then they also have meal kits that are prepared at some of their production facilities, if I'm not mistaken. And that's all delivered directly to you. They also have partnerships with delivery companies, but they're building out a last mile delivery service called Good Courier. So that's their own part. So they're trying to sort of... Uh, basically build the entire infrastructure and not just be a middleman. Yeah, they're not trying to just arbitrage like the difference between what someone pays at the grocery store because that seems just kind of yeah. it's kind of like DoorDash where you're like, eh, this is really good business model. This is a little more interesting. Still don't know if it's going to work, but yeah. it's kind of cool that they're trying to vertically integrate like that. Uh, a little bit about the history. Good Food was established in 2014, so really recently, by Jonathan Ferrari and Neil Cuggy. I think I'm getting that right. Under their first name, Kuliniste. Uh, the service grew pretty fast and was helped along by Anne-Marie Withenshaw, a Canadian television and radio personality. Don't know who that is. Yeah, we got a good Canadian audience, so people might, they might know what that is. So the, it's like 6% of you guys out in right. Canada. Um, you probably know who these people are. Um, so she apparently advocated for the product in its early years. Uh, and then t- two years after being established, they changed their name to Good Food and went public on the Toronto Stock Exchange in 2017. Question, do you like Coloniste or Good Food Market Corp better? 
good food market corps better because i think it's really when they're actually like going to consumers it's just good food um and that's that's definitely better than colonista i don't uh, know colonista has got a ring to it what what type of what ring <laughs> you know Kind of got some pizzazz. Yeah. Anything uh, with East Day at the end? Maybe, maybe. If it was Colonify, then how would it invest? <laughs> but okay. Uh, their enterprise. Oh, yeah, I'll get into the valuation. They have an enterprise value of four hundred sixty-eight million dollars. So you know, not a large company at all. Um, and it's kind of getting closer to the uh, bottom of the small cap. There ticker is F O O D, and then is a Canadian company, like you said. So look for the actual. Uh, ticker if you're going to invest in whatever country you're in but it's we probably, have big like united states is going to be food.ca or maybe food dot whatever the to to for toronto exchange uh, yeah. just look for that uh their stock price on the toronto exchange i believe is about nine dollars and 29 cents but really that's irrelevant and that number some of these numbers if they're on here they may be listening canadian dollars um it's like a three-fourths of what a u.s dollar is it's just a little different so when you're actually going through the analysis make sure either to convert it or just know that there's going to be that slight difference yeah and if you're on most of the like koi fin or stuff like that it's already converted for you so. yeah so this is mainly if you're looking at earnings numbers and stuff like that uh so their ev to sales is 2.5 on the last 12 months gross margin 28.8 percent ev to gross profit of 8.68 so fairly low margin adjusted ev to sales of 11.74 and that's what we do when we take ev divided by sales growth and divided by gross margin to get an overall look of what a growth company is trading at it's really low really really low but it kind of makes sense that it's this low because they had a abnormal bump in sales growth because of the pandemic a lot of people doing grocery delivery and meal kit delivery to try to you know uh socially distance uh, so, you know, that makes sense. But typically, even if growth slows, they'll still be, you know, relatively fine if growth slows to like 20, 30 percent. By the way, before this, they were growing revenues in the triple digits. Right? Oh, really? Yeah, it was like 120 okay. percent, something like that. And so it's declined, but they said they're still seeing a bit of an acceleration. Yeah. And I think that has to do with marketing expense, spend. Uh, but that's not something we have any in. Like, we can't look at that. So they're saying that um, on their internal metrics, their marketing spend or whatever, their unit stuff. Uh, but as an outside investor, you, you just have to take their word for it. Uh, they have no dividend, $30 million in working capital. If we look at the balance sheet, $12 million in long-term debt and $23 million in convertible debentures. And I think the strike price on that is around $4.50. So as long as the stock price doesn't go down by 50%, um, those that debt should convert into stock. Uh, $21 million in leases outstanding. So nothing concerning on the balance sheet. And then their shares outstanding have gone up from $56 million to $57 million in the last year. Again, nothing too crazy. Um, with that, we're just kind of looking for, all right, are they diluting the shares by like 20% a year or something like that? Right. Uh, I'll get into the earnings. As of the third quarter for 2020, they had 272,000 customers growing at about 44% year over year. Um, they had $179.3 million trailing 12-month revenue. That's up 76% year over year, so growing pretty fast. Um, and then in the most recent quarter, they had around 28.8% gross margins. Their adjusted gross margins are more like 40%. Um, and then they were adjusted, they were profitable in general, that, but they've pretty much been around break even for a long time. But this quarter, they were profitable. Their adjusted EBITDA margin was seven, roughly 7%, 10% operating cash flow margin, positive net income for the quarter, but like, I think it was like a net margin of less than 1%, so yeah. right above profitability. Mm-hmm. Uh, they had $61.2 million in cash and cash equivalents. So if they're not 
at any sort of burn rate, that's enough liquidity to last them for a while. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's a very seasonal business. So the summer months make up only about less than 18% of trailing 12 month revenue. So it's, uh, it's something, it's a business that really makes a lot of their money. And that is, keep in mind, that is during COVID that that month, uh, that yeah. quarter didn't make up that much. So it's, yeah, they make a lot of their money in the winter months and spring as well. Yeah, this holiday season especially will be um, interesting to watch, especially with, you know, with COVID plus that winter boost they typically get. But we're going to hit the ad break, and then we're going to come back for the second half of the show. Okay, welcome back. First segment is Digging Trenches, which is our 0-3 to three rating on the moat. Tough for this business because it's kind of young, but I, I think I'd give them – the way they're going about it, and maybe like a 0.5 or 1, but they don't have a moat yet. If they succeed and build out what they're doing, they could have a moat just from them in economies of scale. Um, right. Sort of like how Walmart had it, although that's a big comparison, but that's the easiest one. Maybe more like Kroger back in the day I might go for a, the delivery. I might go a little higher. I might go like a 1.5 because they are – really i mean they're <laughs> you've seen probably the infomercials of like the come get these free meal kits yeah or whatever and so they're not that kind of business and then they're also not just the go pick it up in the grocery store for you which they, is that's just vc money getting burned right they've yeah built out a real supply chain and they've become a good business and that is very capital intensive to do mm-hmm. and they've had fortunately a great catalyst in the uh pandemic so not a lot of companies are going to be able to get a boost like that and be able to build out the infrastructure that good food has. I think food delivery in general is a hard business to do, but if you do it right, you can be sort of isolated. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You gotta. It takes a unique business model. You got to go at it with a different angle. You can't just say, all right, I'm going to be a food delivery business. Well, I mean, that's very repeatable. Yeah. Uh, so let's get to future growth opportunities. Why don't you go first? Yeah, so just continuing to expand their logistics infrastructure. Right now they're building out two production facilities in the greater Toronto area, one of which is already operational, so they're working on the second one. Um, they've been opening and ramping up the Vancouver Fulfillment Center, and they've also ramped up their good courier service, which uh, one-third of all customer orders were delivered through their good courier service. And Apparently that makes it much easier. Delivery costs come way down. Uh, it makes it much easier on the customer experience because delivery comes a lot faster. It said in order for them to be able to do same day and one day delivery, they're going to need to rely on this good courier service a lot. Yeah, that's another example of them trying to vertically integrate, not trying to rely on third parties. And that might be more expensive up front, but hopefully it can increase their margins down the line. Uh, my future growth opportunity is good food. Wow. And they have it in all caps here. I'm not sure if that's how they market it, but it's just W-O-W, all caps. Um, This is their new unlimited same-day grocery delivery that's starting in the Montreal area. So it allows any member to order any combination of meal kits, groceries, and prepared meals. So I think that's a good idea where they're trying to show that, all right, we're not just meal kits. We're not just grocery delivery. You can combine everything and kind of maybe get a hot meal and then some of your produce, some of your, uh, you know, consumer staple stuff. And then if you're a member of this, you get, you know, same day delivery and you get free delivery and it costs $10 a month. Kind of like the prime offering. I know everyone says this is our prime offering, but I think it makes sense here. And it kind of, I mean, do you think that will differentiate themselves at all? I guess we'll have to see what the numbers say, but yeah, it's like, 
So I've never been a fan of Amazon Fresh. Is that their Amazon delivery service or whatever? Yeah. I think this has the potential to sort of be the Amazon of food delivery. It's at, a, at least in Canada. Right. And it's a very ambitious goal, but they're going at it, I believe, in the right way. And having that last mile logistics service helps. Um, and then, yes, if you have a lot of loyal customers, I see no reason why you shouldn't do a membership. Like, I'm sure people are more than willing to pay $10 a month to get the food on the same day. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, I think looking at it just internally, like not internally, but just personally, it makes sense because I think the big concern with delivery services is, all right, I got to pay this fat fee for these groceries to get delivered. It wouldn't be that hard to go pick it up at the store. Um, but yeah, maybe this can you know help them create that competitive advantage. Uh, last segment we have is highlights and lowlights. What do you have? Yeah, so the vertical integration is a big differentiator. That's a highlight for me, I think. that This can be a big, big business, um, and they are getting a bump, and so you have to sort of determine what the staying power of those customers is because if the pandemic starts to basically go away or there's a vaccine or whatnot and people are going back to the grocery stores, um, have they gotten to the point now with good food where they're like, I'll just order everything on good food. I don't need to go back to the grocery store. Or is it because they're still afraid to go out? Um, yeah. You kind of got to determine that. Um, but if it is more of an acceleration of the inevitable and it is going to propel them faster into the future and growing much faster as opposed to just a temporary shift, this is going to be a good business and it's selling at a good price. Mm-hmm. Uh, low lights for me, though, they are very dependent on bad weather. Um yeah. So their marketing order rates and new subscribers are all really low in the summer months. And so I believe it's because people in Canada just like don't want to go outside in the winter. And so they get their stuff delivered, um, which is fine. That works in Canada, but it doesn't bode well for international expansion because, I mean, if they're saying basically that in the summer months, people will just go to the grocery store. Well, the thing is, they're not saying that no one's using it. So I think uh, the usage rate just might be a little lower if they expand um, south to the United States or Europe. Uh, so it doesn't mean the business is not viable in the summer. It just means that they get a bump in the winter. So it's not like things are going bad for them. Yeah, you but know? is the business sustainable if it was just the summer numbers, essentially, oh, you know? I mean, it's, they'd be, I mean, a, they'd be maybe, a lot earlier in their business uh, growth. Maybe you know they I mean? just expand into, like, Scandinavian countries or only <laughs> cold-weather places. Hey, there's... There's a lot of people that live in Canada, and there's a lot of people that live in cold-weather places, so I don't think this is a problem they're going to run into anytime All right. soon. All right. What's your highlights and lowlights? Okay. Uh, SG&A, as a percentage of their revenue, is went from 34% to 23% last quarter, uh, so I think there's a lot of strong leverage there. Obviously, they got that organic, or sorry, inorganic boost from the coronavirus that won't be repeated, at least let's hope. Yeah. Uh, operating cash flow is positive and stock-based compensation is not egregious. So I think that shows that they're generating cash without just financing everything by diluting shares. Um, they have 300 exclusive private label products. That was a little redundant in their note because exclusive and private label, you know. Yeah. You know what I mean? That's a, But uh, they're showing they're making strides, though, with that vertical integration. Like you mentioned, they have the last mile delivery service that now serves one-third of their customers solely in the Montreal area right now but still good. And if it helps reduce costs and improve shipping times, that you know provides more value to the consumers and then helps good food be more profitable. So that's a win-win. 
low light for me is these type of business models have a history, at least over the past decade, of not working out at all. And they have typically terrible unit economics, but good foods look better. So my concern here is Blue Apron. It's just Blue Apron. Like they were just a terrible business. Instacart, yeah. DoorDash seem like bad businesses. Uh, and good food could be a good business, but they're going up against a lot of historical evidence that says otherwise. Okay. Are you more or less interested in the business today than you were yesterday? I am more interested if it was just Instacart or if it was just Blue Apron and not the combo plus trying to do it in-house, having their own fulfillment centers, I would be less interested because I'd be like, all right, the unit economics don't work. But I think I'm more interested because, one, people are discounting these type of businesses simply because all of them, not all of them, but a lot of them have failed and gone to zero in the past. But that means a lot of people aren't looking at them. That means the valuation is a lot lower, which we're seeing there with the sales ratio. So... There could be some value here. Um, I've just yeah. looked at them. i got to do a lot more research, but I'm more interested for sure. Yeah, I, I'd agree with you there. I think the prior failures in this industry have led to a largely yeah. inefficient market or because people think everyone's just going to repeat what Blue Apron did or they're just going to end up being a place where VC dollars get burned. Yeah. Um, yeah. But that doesn't look like that's what good food is. I mean, good food has proven that they can be profitable. Um, obviously, they're not like an 80% margin software business, but they can definitely reach scale and they can deliver food for a lot of people. Um, it does feel a bit like a young Amazon story, um, but just specifically in the food market. Yeah, so maybe more. Gosh, I'm trying to think of some other. And and I, I feel like a lot of people say that anytime you deliver any product digitally or you do it like an e-commerce business okay, everyone about, says it's going to be amazon but yeah. this they are actually building out the infrastructure and the logistics and having the private label brands to be able to do it well does this remind you of let's say revolve group or stitch fix a little bit but with obviously their food um good foods bit, food a and bit they're, like they're stitch clothes, fix but right? except they're not like ah, i don't want that carrot i'll give it back yeah it's a little different but it's similar where they're trying to create that e-commerce model but more niche so they can kind of attack maybe amazon because they're focused on that one product right all right well that's going to do it for this episode thank you guys for listening make sure to follow us as always on twitter and just dm us or just add us on there for any suggestions for uh, new shows and remember as always we are not financial advisors anything we say on this show is not formal advice or recommendation thank you all for listening to this episode we will see you next sunday